the epistle for the mass of the dedication of a church. It's taken from the book of the Apocalypse. In those days, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself with them shall be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and death shall be no more, nor mourning, nor crying, nor sorrow shall be any more, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. The Gospel is taken from the 19th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. At that time, Jesus, entering in, walked through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was the chief of the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for the crowd, because he was low of stature. And running before, he climbed up into a sycamore tree, that he might see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus was come to the place, looking up, he saw him, and said to him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for this day I must abide in thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him with joy. And when all saw it, they murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that was a sinner. But Zacchaeus standing said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have wronged any man of anything, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said to him, This day is salvation come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and deceive that which was lost. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear Reverend Father, dear faithful, the worship of God is the most important thing that can happen here below on this earth. And when we consider all the different ways that there are, to worship God, the most important, of course, is the holy sacrifice of the Mass, because it is in the Mass that our Lord Jesus Christ himself is present, and he is both priest and victim in the Mass. He is there on our altar, and he offers himself as a victim to the Eternal Father, renewing the infinite sacrifice that he performed on Calvary. This is what happens at every single Mass. And this is what makes the Mass the greatest thing possible on this earth. There is nothing greater that happens on this earth than the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Now, if you believe this, if you're a Catholic, and this is what you hold to be true, that the holy sacrifice of the Mass is the greatest thing that happens in this world, how are you going to execute that belief? What are you going to do that corresponds to that belief. Well, first of all, when you design a liturgy that accompanies the Mass, you're going to make that liturgy in a certain way. If the reality is that our Lord Jesus Christ, God himself is present on the altar during the Mass, and that he is offering himself to God, giving God infinite homage, then what you're going to do is you're going to make a Mass where the, the ceremonies are sublime and significant as possible. You're going to want the ceremonies, the words, the gestures, the actions. You're going to want everything in the ceremony to match up 
with that fact that infinite homage is being offered to God, you're going to want to make it extremely reverent. You're going to put in that mask genuflections, lots of genuflections, lots of times where the, where the priest will kiss the altar, lots of bows, and also, very importantly, silence. Silence in the presence of the transcendent. You're going to have prayers, gestures, and actions that try to indicate as clearly as possible exactly what is happening. And if the Mass is infinite homage being given, given to God in the form of our Lord Jesus Christ, offering himself anew to the Heavenly Father, then you want, you definitely want the ceremony to match up with that. What else are you going to do if you believe that that is what's happening at the Mass? Well, you're going to construct a building that also corresponds to that reality. You're going to construct a building that, at least as far as we are humanly able to do on this earth, corresponds to an act of infinite homage that it, to God that is taking place within that building. You're going to make the building in the form of a cross because the mystery of our redemption was accomplished on the cross. And that mystery is being renewed at every single Mass. You're going to make the building vast and overwhelming because you believe that, that God himself is present within the church, that God is offered to God in the church. You're going to want to make it out of stone as well. There's, there's something about stone to where it lasts forever. Stone somehow kind of participates in the eternity of God because it does not go away. It's extremely durable. So many churches, for this reason, are, are built out of stone. We want the building to last. If this is the dwelling place of God, we want the building to last. You will have a bishop come and consecrate the building. You will have the bishop dedicate the building to God. You have the bishop go around the outside of the church, blessing the exterior walls of the church. Then you will have him come on the inside and have him anoint the walls of the church with the holy oils, as was done here on 12 spots that are marked by a cross. To this day, we have the, the spots that were anointed by the bishop marked with a cross. Those places where the candles are lit today for this Mass are the places 20 years ago, Bishop Fillet marked the walls with the holy oils to consecrate this building for the worship of God. Obviously, you will want to do everything possible to make a space that is fitting for the worship of God, that represents that worship, and which assists everybody who is here to accomplish that worship. And this, my dear faithful, is what we have here at St. Isidore's. This is why this building is different from every other building in Watkins. You don't see buildings like this uh, as a general rule around because this building was made for a special purpose and was based on a specific belief that what happens here is greater than anything that happens in the world. 
And so this space was built in a magnificent and grandiose manner, recalling the faith of our fathers that built those incredible cathedrals in Europe, following in their footsteps, in their spirit, because we believe that here, the most important thing on this earth happens every day with the sacrifice of the Mass. Now, of course, we know that the great enemy of the human race, the devil, does not like us and does not like God. The devil hates God, and he hates any manifestation of reverence and honor due to God. It's not that the devil is an unbeliever. The devil believes and trembles, but the devil seeks to strip away from God the honor that is due to him. That is what the devil is all about. And if you were the devil, what would you want to do? How would you go about it? If you saw these buildings where this, this sublime homage and respect was being given to God on a regular basis, what would you do? What would you do? Well, first of all, you would seek to eliminate this mass. You would seek to eliminate the mass that matches up perfectly with the reality where the signification of the Mass completely corresponds to the reality of the Mass, the traditional Mass. We know how successful the devil has been in reducing the number of traditional Masses in the world. It's so hard to, to find traditional Masses. It's becoming, thanks be to God, more common to find the traditional Mass. I don't know if that will decrease. It'll probably decrease with the modo proprio. But the fact is, the devil doesn't want it to happen. So he seeks to eliminate it. And if you were the devil, you would very much prefer a mass that does not represent the sacrifice of the cross, that does not represent that infinite homage that our Lord offered to the Heavenly Father. You would prefer a mass that does not show proper reverence to God, a mass that somehow gets rid of, of genuflections, that makes everything about the mass ordin ordinary and common, it makes the Mass seem human and completely underwhelming. That removes the sense of the sacred. That removes transcendence from worship. You would want a Mass that would try to hide the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ is present on the altar. A Mass where the Eucharist is not treated like God, but is rather treated like a piece of food that's shared by a bunch of people who are remembering a supper that took place 2,000 years ago. That's what you would want. If you were a being that hated God and wanted to take away from him as much of the reverence due to him as possible. Well, what kind of church would you want to build if you wanted to do the same thing? If you wanted to create a space that would hide, remove from the mass its proper signification. Well, instead of a tall church, you would want a flat one. You want a church that doesn't soar to the heavens and overwhelm you, but one that stays on the level of this earth. Church in which you feel cozy and in control. Instead of a church in the form of a cross, you would want a church in the form of a circle. Something very undemocratic about 
crosses. Crosses are planted into the earth, as it were, to heal the earth, to fix the earth, while circles and and balls sort of rest on the earth as if to embrace it. Crosses rise above the earth to transcend the earth, whereas the circle or or the ball just sort of rolls along the earth to go along with it. Churches in the form of a cross are meant to be hierarchical. They are hierarchical by design. They have a more important part and they have a less important part. The altar is the more important part. The sanctuary is set apart, whereas the nave, the place where you are, is the less important part. You are less important than what is happening at the altar. And the church reflects that. The church is designed precisely to make that happen in the church. Whereas churches in the, in the form of a circle are meant to make every place equally important. It's not everybody looking at God, everybody facing God, the most important part, but instead everyone facing one another. We're all equal sitting around a circle. You may have seen some of these churches, these modern churches, these modern Catholic churches. I've been to the Waffle Iron at Fatima. It's, in, it's a church in the form of a circle. The guide was trying to convince me that it was absolutely stunning in its beauty. I've been to the Nike Swiss Church at the shrine of Mexico City of Our Lady of Guadalupe. During our pilgrimage, we, we passed by the church of Our Lady of Fatima. I was told that, that at one point that was, that was in the form of a circle, but slowly over time they've sort of broken up the, the circle and made it a little, little bit more palatable. But this is the mentality behind these churches. G.K. Chesterton uh, wrote a novel called The Ball and the Cross, where he compares these two, the ball of the world and the cross. Although Jesus Christ, and in the first chapter, he has um, Lucifer in this flying contraption, and Lucifer abducts this monk named Michael. And he's flying around, and they're, they're flying around London, and they're looking at the, the St. Paul's Cathedral there in London. And St. Paul's Cathedral has this dome, and on top of the dome, there's a ball, and on top of the ball, there's a cross. And Lucifer is, is chatting with Michael, and he, and he says, this is, not, this, this is not the way it should be. They, they made a mistake here, putting that cross on top of the ball. He says, that is surely wrong. The ball should be on top of the cross. The cross is a mere barbaric prop. The ball is perfection. The cross at its best is but the bitter tree of man's history. The ball is the rounded, the ripe, and final fruit. And the fruit should be at the top of the tree, not at the bottom of it. And the monk Michael, he merely contents himself with commenting that if you put the the ball on the top of the cross, you will get the same result that always happens when the religion of the ball, which is rationalism, is allowed to teach mankind. And that is the ball, which is the world, falls off. The world collapses whenever you make the world the first priority and the cross the second priority. So my dear faithful, this is the whole question 
of our lives. This is the whole question of our religion. Is the cross on the top or is the world on the top? What are the priorities when we do anything in this life? We live in a very sad time for the church when the Pope and the churchmen have effectively put the church at the service of the world instead of having the church at the service of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just think of these things that have happened in the pontificate of, of Pope Francis. His first encyclical, Laudato Si, was focused on ecological justice, on relieving climate change, on preserving Mother Nature, not fostering the supernature of our souls, but taking care of the planet, taking care of this world, not preparing people for the world to come. Or Amoris Laetitia, which is a document that's it's designed to ensure people that we will accept them no matter what. Whatever you want to do, we will approve. If you're divorced or remarried and you're in a loving relationship, we will give you communion, even though it's a sacrilege where he invites abortionists and population control theorists to the Vatican so we can strategize about how to relieve these secular problems of supposed overpopulation. Ask their advice, consult, have a consortium with them. The Pacamama idols, where, where there's this effort to approve anybody to worship God in whatever way they want. If this is the way you want to worship God in the Amazon, if this is the way you want to worship God as, a, as Episcopalians, as, as followers of Islam, whatever, we are going to approve you instead of standing up for the sole sign of our salvation, which is the cross. New mass, new architecture, new music, new catechism, new priests, new religion to match up with a different set of priorities, a different set of beliefs. They have uncrowned him. They do not want his cross. They do not want him. On the first day of our pilgrimage, we, we had a, a reading from a sermon of Archbishop Lefebvre where, where he speaks about this precise question, the rejection of the cross today. People do not want the cross. And I just want to, to read to you an excerpt from this sermon that he gave back in 1975 because it's so pertinent to the subject. Men speak today of liberation, he says. Everywhere they have this word so much on their lips. Liberation, liberation, liberation. What liberation? Liberation from our Lord Jesus Christ. They want no more of our Lord Jesus Christ. They want no more of his cross. They want no more of his sacrifice because his sacrifice reminds us that we must sacrifice ourselves, that we must die to our sins to have life, and that men who seek rather their pleasure and their satisfaction can, see, can neither see nor hear nor understand. They want nothing to do with the cross. Now where shall we find a living cross, a cross ever filled with that charity, with that Holy Spirit, which we need to combat our evil tendencies, so as to live the life of our Lord Jesus Christ at the Holy Altar, in our churches, in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, 
And that is why the holy sacrifice of the Mass has so much importance and has always been at the center of our sanctification, at the center of the preoccupations of the church. It is there that we find our Lord. This is not a cross which is simply an historical remembrance of the death of Christ. No, it is the living cross, Calvary renewed. The only difference between the altar and Calvary is that on Calvary, our Lord offered a bloody sacrifice, and then on the the altar, he offers himself in an unbloody manner. That is the only difference. It is truly Calvary that is renewed each time the priest ascends to the altar and offers the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It is them that we must find the source of our sanctification in the Holy Mass. So, my dear faithful, this is what we are about here at St. Isidore's. This is what our church is about. This is what our Mass is about. This is what our lives are about. We want to serve our Lord Jesus Christ in his cross every day of our lives. We want to be faithful to him no matter what the world is saying to us. God has granted us 20 years here of tradition, that sacrifice being offered, that homage being offered to Almighty God. It is a great blessing that we must pray that we persevere in this path, be faithful to this path, so that we may be with our Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.